You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Flyers goalie tandem comes up Big this week in two major rivalry games in Pittsburgh and in Washington, coming away with five points on the week. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 91 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are here. Make sure you are following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and all that good stuff. Orange and Back Check. Uh, at O Backcheck on Twitter, Orange Backcheck Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We are so glad you are here. Like I said, Orange or Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com if you have a fan question. And again, if you're interested in doing a quick get together in the Northeast at Fox Chase Playground, shoot us an email. We want to get it organized, but you got to shoot us an email, Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com. The guy that will definitely be, be, be playing goalie for us or against us, whatever, however you decide it. Uh, is the guy always across from me, Scott Weinhart. Dude, what's going on? 91. Episode 91. When I think of 91, I think of one player that just eats at my soul. Which player am I thinking of? Oh, I mean, I Stamkos is 91, isn't he? Uh, no, Stamkos doesn't eat my soul. There's one other player from the late 90s that just, just killed me. Yeah. 1997, Sergei Fedorov, game mm-hmm. three against the Flyers in Stanley Cup final. Ugh. Yeah, I remember that's the first time I really saw Federer like break out, and I was like, "He's all I hated him, hated him for the longest time." <laughs> I'm so happy, like when he went to Anaheim and didn't pan out, and then he came yeah. back to Washington and actually had an impact in 08 when they played when the Flyers played him in the playoffs. But nah, sorry, Federer was one of the most talented players that ever played this game, and it's one of those guys you wish you were on your team, but you hated him when you played on the other yep. team. So yep. fast. So There's fast. a lot of those guys in hockey. Like you always have, you yeah. have them in all four or five major sports if you're a soccer fan like me. But like hockey seems to have an overpopulated number of players that like I hate that guy. But if he was on my team, he'd be a fan favorite and one of my favorite players. I would buy his jersey, buy his sweater, his jersey, whatever it is. Scott Hartnell was that too for the Flyers. Yeah, I think. yeah. And, and you think of good- like. Like Tom Wilson for the Capitals, Brad. See, no, see, that's where I draw the Tom Wilson, Tom, Brad Marchand, Marchand. I can get behind okay. Wilson. I can, I will never get behind. He is, I, I just, I, it's, every, I get it. He produces for that team, but he is one of the cheapest and dirtiest players. And like the the league never punishes him, it seems to the extent that he deserves. And it's just it, 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 he never learns. He wants to be the bad boy. I, I get it. You're the bad boy, quote unquote, of the NHL. 
but you take it to a step that's you're putting other players sa- safety in jeopardy. And I just, I can never get behind a guy like that. Well, it's they, just, they love them down in the Capitol. And there's of course guys they like do. That, and they, there's guys like that too, that like have made major impacts on teams like that. Like yep. um, the guy from um, uh, the Pittsburgh, his name just flew right out of my head. Oh my God. He scored Chris Kunitz. Yeah, this is one of those guys. I would even put Phil Kessel up there a little bit. Not as not as provocative tumble, but he's he's one of those guys. You're like, just you don't like when he because he always seems to do something against your team. Another guy, Chris Neal back for Ottawa was one of those guys, too. Like, you know, or or Martin Havlat or or, you know, like Danny Healy, Ilya Kovalchuk. Like, you know, you you hated like watching me, you know, you've just. He's a those, those guys, team. those guys produced to a point and and played the, like they. There's always that line we talk about, and they were right up against that line, and they tiptoed over it every once in a while where you could forgive them. Tom yeah. Wilson just has always seems to always have both skates over the line while he's like kind of doing like a lean back thing, like I'm still in the line, guys. And it's like, no, you're a joke, dude. Like f off. Like I, gotta, I can't can't get behind him. He's like the Rick James thing. He's habitually he's a habitual. Line yes. stepper, quote yes. Charlie Murphy, man. That's exactly yes. it. The habitual line stepper. Yeah, I actually, you know, I, I know we started the week in against Arizona, but I, I kind of want to start with the that probably I think one of their best wins of the year of the year uh in Washington. I mean, Martin Jones again, uh, because we're talking about Tom Wilson and Washington Capitals. I mean, Martin Jones again continues to shut me up, put m- money at my foot in my mouth. And just shows what you know about the goaltending position. I mean, this guy is spinning on his head. He's 3-0, and 950 save average. I think a sub-1-5 uh, goals against average. Like, 1. it's 6, absurd. 7. Okay, so, but still, like, yeah. he's an elite. He's putting up elite numbers. Now, albeit it's three games compared to Carter Hart's six. But still, I mean, you can't you can't deny the results that he's putting up for us. Listen, I, I said it back way back in the summertime when the Flyers were shopping for a backup netminder. I said, if, if Martin Jones becomes available, that's the guy you want to target. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny. I talked to somebody about this today. What's making Martin Jones so successful right now, and I know we talk about the goaltending a lot on this show. I mean, it's a hot-button topic in Philadelphia, just like the quarterback. But it's actually really important that people understand how some of it works. The way Martin Jones plays is that he's very his arms are very tight to the body. He does he minimizes his movements. He uses his frame. What I noticed in the preseason, even though he had a good preseason, he was giving up a decent volume of goals because he was kind of playing the middle to the back of his crease. You watch him now; he's playing Nick at the top of his crease, the top to the middle of it. So he's not he's he's taking up more net. So by being out a little bit more, people don't realize about they drop on a butterfly a lot to goalies is that that puck angle has got to go upward. That trajectory needs to go up. So it's very hard to get over a six-foot-four guy's shoulder, you know, when that puck needs to come <laughs> four feet off the ice. He's got pretty much that locked down and covered. What's making him really, really good, though, is that he's minimizing his movements. His technique is very strong. His positioning is outstanding. He's not overplaying the puck. His arms are also tight to the body. The only puck that got past him was a flubber that he lost sight of while he was in the RVH, and, and that's something that, it happens. Martin Jones has been such a good calming influence for this team because he's making the first save and his defense knows where to be on the, there's no rebound chance. That's what's made him successful. You know, the style he plays, he's going to give out rebounds instead of having to direct him to the corner. All you need to worry about is getting him to the first shot stop and his defense will take care of the rest. 
kind of like yeah. the way Martin Brodeur, why he was so good, his defense played the same way. I was going to say. It's, his defense is really what's making him better because he doesn't have to worry about the second chances. That's all you really need from a backup goaltender at this point. Yeah, especially because, and it's one of the reasons why kind of now looking back, it made sense of what Chuck Fletcher's philosophy was going into this recent offseason. He wanted to revamp the, the defense, not just for Carter Hart's sake, but because of a guy like Martin Jones who does give up the rebound, but when you have good defensemen that are able to clear the puck and the rush of this seems this year, it seems is one of the best in the NHL. I mean, I want to, I'm, I'm, I want to get to Kim Dillabaugh and how he has really shaped Martin Jones and Carter Hart in the same season while working with two different styles of goaltending to an extent, but the rush that these chances create, especially a Martin Jones, that their breakouts are crisper, are cleaner. They're not. They're they're not giving up that that defensive zone uh, turnover as often as we saw last season right. or the season prior. Even though nineteen and twenty was by all extent means and purposes a, a quote unquote success with just without the without the cup, obviously. But like last season was an absolute disaster. It felt like with the with the rush, you would always they would throw the puck in the center of their their zone right to the top of the slot for whatever reason. This season, they're just being smart with it. And it's just and because of guys like Martin Jones, who do give up that big rebound, but because wrist aligning uh, Ellis when he returns and hopefully he returns, he sounds like he's going to be back on Wednesday night uh, here against Toronto. It, it it's just it, it's a it's a it's the brain power that Chuck Fletcher had for this club, and it's it's already bearing the fruit of its labor because of what uh, Chuck Fletcher bought into a system, and he believed in it, and that's exactly what you want from a, a guy like that kind of GM. And listen, it's a smart thing too. You got to build from the back out front. Carter Hart was your main piece back there. You added a guy like Martin Jones, where you had an unquestionable guy who could start because. If, if God forbid, if, if Carter Hart gets injured, you know you have a guy who's played 60 games in this league. You don't have to rely on a guy who's just an average backup. Some teams like, you know, like Toronto, like what they're going to have to do for a while, like yep. with, the, with, with the, the upcoming this week. But I'll get to that in a minute. But it's important because it gives that calming influence so you're not putting too much pressure on the kid. Then you revamp the defense. You add the pieces in place. They're going to help you transition because your your breakout starts from your back end your defense needs to get possession of the puck they need to start up out of the zone for your forwards need to jump out in the neutral zone because the idea is to get the puck through the neutral zone as quickly as possible you don't want to play in the middle of the ice it's like a really dangerous area you want to get it down to their end you want to go in you want to dig pucks you want to cause turnovers cause havoc get that defense to get down low below the goal line work the puck back up the boards up to the point get them all split out and get chances in front it's the simplest form of hockey, but it's also most effective. Like it, it works. Like the Flyers aren't a speed team like a like the Carolina or the Panthers or Tampa, where they can play the speed game up and down the ice, or like Vegas. They don't have as much skill as a team like Vegas who can play that. They have a lot of skill up front, but they don't have a lot of top end skill. So they really have to outwork teams. And by starting to rebuild your defense, you can gain control of the puck and have clean exits out of your end. It only improves your forecheck because you're getting the puck in through the neutral zone that much quicker. So, yeah, agreed. And huge shout out to Chuck Fletcher for really revamping this team and seeing what the big flaw was, is that they're not getting pinned down on their own end. Like there was times in that third period against Washington where there was really rough. They, it looks like they were going to give that goal, but Martin Jones stays tall, makes the first save. They calmly get the rebound. They calmly get it out. And I'll note too, like, Going back to Martin Jones real quick, I thought it was really neat to see it. About four minutes left, they had a really good camera angle on him. And his sweater was just covered in puck marks. And mm -hmm. his arms were covered in puck marks. And I'm like, 
I love seeing that. Like, I love seeing that because it tells me that he's using this big frame to do that. Making one save, boom, getting a piece of it, whatever, going to the corner, defense scoops it up, boom, you're breaking out the other end. And, I and wanted that's to, exactly what you need. And and you, I actually wanted to talk about when you when you initially said it. Like you said, he's he's getting big and he's putting his big frame out at the top of the crease compared right. to last season where he was kind of sheltered in the even net. Even in preseason, even in preseason, in, he was kind of playing big in the net. So was that kind of just is that just a mindset that you have more faith in your defensive? Because if you're backtracking to stay back so far that he was last season, is it because you're like anticipating your defense to not be able to make the poke check, make the put the body on him, and then you it creates more open space? And now that you have a defensive unit that you can trust, you're gonna come out more to make yourself big and be able to say, I can give up this rebound and say, it's not the end of the world because I trust the guys in front of me to clear the puck exactly how they're doing now. So it's a mixture of both. It depends. If you're if, so I'll start off with this. One of the first goalies to really play deep in their net was that I, I remember seeing was Curtis Joseph. So Cujo played very deep in his net. The theory was at the time he was already, he was a decent sized goaltender at the time. He was six one, which is pretty Pretty big goalie for the late 90s. They were only like under like 5'10, 5'9, 5'8. They were, they were smaller guys. But with with Cujo, the idea was is that the further back in the net, the later he could react to the puck and his reflexes could get to it. Henrik Lundqvist played the same way. Henrik Lundqvist, you watch him very rarely play at the top of the crease. He played the back to the middle. So it depends on what being what style you're being taught. Ben Waller, Henrik Lundqvist's coach for years with the Rangers, taught him to play that, you know, blocking style deep in the net, covered a lot of space. That's the way you do it. Martin Jones said the same thing, but with Martin Jones is that if if you if you're a goalie and you're looking for that backside play and your defense isn't really there, you're going to tend to play more of that back of that net, the back of your crease. But you're not going to be bigger for that first shot. So you're kind of reacting to the puck instead of blocking it. If that makes any sense. So mm-hmm. if you play too deep as a blocking style goaltender, yeah, you might make the first initial save, but you're probably out of position for the next one. If you're playing at the top of the crease. Chances are that first one's not going to get through you. You have enough time to be able to recover because you're still, you know, chances are it hits you at the top of the crease. It's not going to fall right in front of you, right at the front of the net. The gear has a lot to do with it too, to be honest with you. Like people don't realize that, but the gear has a major part on what style you play. When you're a blocking style goaltender, your gear is generally stiffer and it's definitely tougher. So those rebounds are hitting and popping right off. If you're more of a reactive style goaltender, your pads are generally more soft. So when it hits you, the rebound just kind of dies in front of you. Guys, goalies don't really like that nowadays because they don't like the net mouth scrambles and stuff. Right, because so, then you then it creates those situations where you're trying to cover the puck. The ref correct. doesn't. You're kind of then you're kind of bringing in that third party, that third, uh, that yeah, that third party in the referees that don't always blow the whistle. It's always controversial. It always seems in a, every game, every yeah. almost every game these days, it seems like they're either too quick on the whistle or too too slow on the whistle, whatever it may be. So yeah, I get I get why they would want to go with the stiffer, more re, uh, less re, more reactionary p- uh, padding and, and equipment. Right, and it also makes you bigger too. So you wear that stiffer, bigger. A lot of rebounds were popping off. You have more time to react with it. But going back to your point about Martin Jones, again, it's not just a coaching thing; it's a confidence thing as well. And mm-hmm. that's the most important thing because go- goaltending is all about confidence. If if you're playing at the top of your crease, you're showing confidence there because yeah. you're really going after and you're attacking the puck. If you're in your crease a lot more, you're more about blocking space rather than playing the puck. And it's, it's more of a subconscious thing. So to me, it tells me he's playing at the top of his crease. They've made adjustments to his game. 
They've made him bigger. They've made him stronger to the puck. They've made him where he's more square, where he's taking a lot more net, where he doesn't have to overreact to the play and can play his technique and play his style. So getting back to that base that he originally had from when he was with Los Angeles and had his first couple games this league where he was really like shining people. Because don't forget, he started with Los Angeles and played a lot of Stanley Cup with them in 2014. Yep. When he first came out, that he was really, really like, whoa, who is this guy coming out like this? Because they played to his strengths. San Jose, the past couple seasons, he's kind of gotten away with that a little bit. Now he seems to be back with it, working with Kim Dillabaugh again, which is really, really going to be a positive thing. So um, he's confident right now. He's playing top of his crease. If you start to see him sink back a little bit after a couple goals get in, then and you'll know it. So you'll know when his confidence is quite where it needs to be. Right now, take advantage of it. And, and for me, it's it, you look at it, that's a confident netminder who's getting really good coaching right now and responding to the fact instead of playing while we're 10 games in, He's only playing three and not eight. So that's another. That's the, as well. So uh, the, before my second question, the big theme that I had for this episode, like if Carter Hart was still struggling with what he was struggling with last season and they were leaning on Martin Jones a little bit more where he was maybe getting five, maybe even six games under his belt this season. So he's adding, adding on two games, adding on three games. So you're talking about maybe the Pittsburgh game in Pittsburgh or uh, against the Coyotes uh, on on that this past Tuesday. Like, does he continue this path? Or is it kind of like because it's a small sample size, he's a little bit better, and this is more of the role he is in now nowadays. He is that backup goalie. And he's also, because at the same time, he's also on a one-year deal. Like, he may just be playing lights out because he wants to prove that he is still a potential starter in this league, which I think a lot of guys do uh when they start struggling like martin jones did in san jose so i think it's an interesting uh balance here on what we think we have with martin jones i think we hit a winner now like i've been completely proven wrong obviously this run is gonna it's gonna cool down at some point he can't sustain undefeated uh, sub to 175 and a 95 save percentage but you're going to ride it as long as you can. So I'm curious if he had more games under his belt, these would be the same results we would be getting. I, I'm not sure they would be. I, I, I don't know. That's it's, it's, a, it's like a hypothetical. And this is how I look at it. Like when he, Is it a hypothetical? Thank you. Yeah, that is a hypothetical. Like, in hypothetical, you can't really – I get it. Now, here's – I think you're – you don't want to th- overthink this right now. Like mm-hmm. you, you got a goaltender who's playing really well. But you go back and look at his career a little bit. When he was a backup in 13, 14, and 14, 15, you know, he was putting up pretty good numbers. His save percentage, his rookie season was a 934. You played in 19 games. I mean, he went 12, six, 12 and 6 in 19 yeah. games. That's that's pretty solid for, you know, they were a good team anyway. But a, a sub two goals against average as a rookie and then following up the next season, the save percentage a little lower. He was He played in 15 games. Was 11. I'm sorry, it was uh four, five, and two with a 906 and a 2.24. That's still for the save percentage. That's pretty good. It means you're not seeing a whole volume of shots. Going to my point though, the, the a guy who's played 65, 65, 60, 62, 41, and 34 games, you know, and, and that's that's a that's a lot of miles on that guy. So the fact you have a guy who's played over four seasons, played over 250 games you know, for a a span of four seasons there, went to a Mm -hmm. cup final too. Taking a step back to kind of reset yourself a little bit and gamble on yourself here. Yeah, this is huge increments for him because if he continues playing this well, some team's going to scoop him up and be like, this guy can still play. He can still start, which everybody thought he could and scoop him up for next season. So yeah, there's a lot of motivation there for a contract year for a guy who was making, got bought out by the Sharks. We're making a couple like six mil a year, now making two. 
you know, hey, he's 30, he's 31 years old, he'll be 32 at the end of next season. That's still starting range for a goaltender. So a team that could yeah. be really desperate, like at Edmonton, who might be like, hey, we need a goaltender. You're pretty good. You played pretty well. We'll throw a lot of money at you. You come out here and get a chance to start again, kind of like what Tam- Cam Talbot did. Bet himself, won a job back in Calgary. Now he's playing in Minnesota. So, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. With Martin Jones, he's key to watch out for him. I think he'll be one of those guys where if he continues to play, especially like this, like he'll have a chance really for a team that will really be looking for services in the summer. So I got to like, we're 10 games in and obviously like I, I, I said this on Twitter on my personal account and on, on, on the orange and back check at O back check. Like I, I just, it's tough for me to all of a sudden not say this might be a top five, top three goalie tandem, because what's good about this tandem in the Philadelphia with Carter Hart and, and Martin Jones is, you know, who the starter is and you know, who the backup is like, there's not a goalie controversy. Correct. It is just a extremely well put together goalie tandem where you have just everything working. And it's not just what Martin Jones and Carter Hart is. That's obviously the mate. That's 95% of it. But the 5% of what the goal, the, the, the defense is putting together for both goalies. That's what makes a goalie tandem successful at the end of at the end of this and it's just like it's tough for me to look at the other top-notch tandems and say the flyers are not right up there 10 games in and obviously it's 10 games in but you can't argue with these results and that's what's exciting about this we finally have a nice tandem that we're not saying x should be starting over who this guy or this guy should be starting over this guy we're not calling for felix sandstrom basically correct in in the ahl yeah Yeah. Yeah. and i'd say this is that you know, you look at Carter Hart's goals against average of 2.41. It seems a little high. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, you're seven games in, it seems high. But, you know, you look at the save percentage, it's like he's almost a 930. Like, that's a 926 yeah. save percentage. And it's, I mean, be- and it's because he, he had that shutout against Phoenix, uh, the Arizona the other night. Correct. And he saw a lot of shots in that. He saw a decent amount of shots in that game. So it's yep. like, here's here's what I look at it. That, yes, there's no doubt in my mind that Carter Hart is the unquestioned starter. People need that black or white thing in Philadelphia. They don't understand that nowadays, this isn't goaltending from the 90s where you had a goalie you could play 65 games. It's not yep. like that anymore. You need a tandem in this league nowadays. You need a you need basically two starting goaltenders. You you really do. Basically, like, basically what happened is we've all of a sudden can probably convince ourselves that if if need be, Martin Jones can steal a game five. He can steal 100%. a game four. Oh, like, 100%. He, like he can do that if Carter Hart needs a rest or is all of a sudden uh, sputtering a little bit in that first round, second round, whatever it may be. It's a little yeah. questionable in the third round, but Martin Jones is right there for you. If, if you need him to step in and steal a game for you, we're that's talking, what we're talking. Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, like no joke. That's the best comparable. No. And here's why. Here's why. Yeah, here's why. Okay. Yeah, here's go ahead. Why. I, I want to hear this. Here's the analogy. And here's why. Carter Hart's the young guy. Everybody's got it yeah. on the back and stuff like that. Martin Jones is the grizzled guy. He's been around for a long time. Really hasn't done much. He's been to a final. Okay. The reason why I make that comparison is that people should think of it like this. I'm not saying that, you know, that if it, it but the question comes down to if something happens with Carter Hart or if he gets injured, like they're going to ride him if he's playing. It's going to happen. Yeah. If, if, if you don't want to get into a situation like Montreal did in 2014, where they're playing very well in the playoffs, Carey Price gets hurt. And the next thing you know, the Canadians, the team that probably could have won to the final, really pushed the Kings for the for the cup, are bowing out in in, in the in the conference and the um, in the playoffs because of their goaltending of having to go to a, an unproven guy in Dustin Tukarski in the playoffs. You have a guy here 
where yes, you can win you a game five. We're even because he's been there and he's a veteran and has won big games. Let's not forget game seven of 2018 or 2000, excuse me, 2019. Let's not forget game seven between the Sharks and the Golden Knights in 2019. They were down three, nothing in game seven. They took the lead at four, three. Okay. They got scored on late. Jones got scored on late. And then they won the game in overtime in game seven. Okay. They were down three, one in that series. Yeah. That's not that's not something to look past. That is a huge thing for a guy who played awful in games one, two, and three, and they were talking about benching him, and then he turns around and has some of the best performances in games five, six, and seven of his career. So that my point is, is that he there? Yes, he's a guy where if something happened where Carter Hart was not able to make it in the playoffs, or you have something where Carter Hart maybe starts slipping at the end of the season, and you want to start off, you can go into the playoffs with confidence in a guy named Jones. And then flip it later on to Carter Hart if Jones does not leave up the expectations. That's the benefit of it. That's what I'm talking about with the with the with the uh, with the Wentz and Foles situation is that you have a guy who's that reliable and trusted where he can come in and steal you games. Like it has that dynamic to it. You got the young stud, and then you got the the veteran next to him who can still come in here and make some damage and do some damage with this team. So that's that's the key to look out with this tandem is that that's why you know I'm not gonna say ten games in if make my predictions but 10 games in you know that's a this is a huge this is this is a this is a good problem to have where you yes. have both your goaltenders playing and, at, a, at a very high level and i would say that this is a good problem to have but it doesn't feel like a problem like av isn't looking at this as it's a problem that he has to deal with every night like when we get into our preview of the week of what's coming up in toronto uh dallas and, and carolina like he probably already knows what he's going to do, especially because they have the back-to-back in Carolina and in Dallas, which are both away. It's not going to be an easy, easy flip for them. But it, before we get to that, I think what the we I, we'll get back to the goalies in a second. The one thing that I noticed, and, and I'm sure you did too, what is really seems to be struggling suddenly, and it's been ever since this one particular player has entered the power play one is the power play. They went one for seven this season for this week. They didn't really seem to generate uh, a ton of pressure, a ton of, uh, uh, of chances. And I think it all boils down to when you put Ivan Provorov on, on the top line, which seems weird, but I feel like Keith Yandel was, should be that, that top guy and Provy maybe PB player power play two, or just not put him as an anchor anywhere. Because I, I don't I don't think Provy's style fits what they're trying to do in the in in the power play right now. I think that you, you're just missing Ryan Ellis. I, I, Ryan yeah. Ellis yeah. is an offensive minded guy. Let's, let's, yep. not, let's not forget that fact. So not only is he going to be on your top pairing, he's but even you on your but power even play. Keith Yandel, who's not an offensive minded guy, he is. Hey, an, he's definitely offensive guy. He's an offensive guy. He's he's a better version of Shane Goss's bear. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's my mistake, but like he, he feels like, so that goes to the point then that he just feels way more in control of anchoring that, that, that power play compared to Provorov. So I'm trying to figure out what the logic is. It just because he's arguably are the best defenseman that we have. I mean, he's, he's had his struggles and that's what he is, but I mean, you're not going to throw Sanheim on there. You're certainly not going to throw Ristolainen on there. I would have just stuck it out with Yandel on the power play one until you got Ryan Ellis back. Like I was, and it, like we said, it looks like it's going to be on Wednesday, but Provi just doesn't fit this. And it, it, it's, it's mind boggling that Mike Yo is not realizing that. 
I just, it comes down to this. It just could be a chemistry thing too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like we've seen it in the past with Provorov. Everybody wants Provorov to be this top defensive, like top end guy. Like he's really not like, he's more of like, you know, like for instance, like one of the best tandems the Flyers had defensively for the power play were Braden Coburn and, and uh, Kimo Timonen. Yeah. But Braden Coburn's one, Braden's Coburn offense took a dive after a while. We could be seeing the same thing at Rob here a little bit where he could jump into the play, but he just might not be that power play quarterback you're looking for, which is why you have a guy like Ellis. Now, you have Ellis and Rob together. They have some chemistry there. Could work itself out. It could be pretty good. I just wouldn't. Yes, they're one for seven on the power play, but the benefit of that is that they're coming up against a very weak special teams play team in Dallas this week. If, you know, that could be something where they could break the ship, but still. You can't really judge this team and their special teams until they get Ellis back and see him at full strength. And even even then, you really got to wait till Kevin Hayes comes back. So they, that's another thing, as which well. seems so, like it's going to be sooner rather than later. He's right. going to be practicing just a, just as much or a little bit less than what we saw from Ryan Ellis this week. And I, I, I whenever they make that move, that's you'll you'll see that signal probably when they send like a, a Obey Kubel or somebody back down. Uh, right. to the AHL. That's when this that's when the flags are going up that Kevin Hayes is making his return. Right. Um by the way, shout out to him. Uh obviously he lost his brother uh in the offseason. He was spotted up in Boston taking care of his nephew, just being a just being an uncle and a father figure for for his family during that d- during that cr- the awful scenario with his brother. So it's just it's nice to see the kind of guy that these players are uh in the real world so shout out to kevin hayes i know it's a it's a rough time not just obviously for him through this injury but obviously what happened to him and his family so it's it was nice to see that little sentimental moment between him and his nephew it was very cool to see yeah definitely definitely and you know it's it's a shame that you know as things come out about jimmy hayes it's a shame you know people really don't know like as far as far as addiction and everything like that some people you just really don't know so Mm -hmm. that's a shame man he's going to be going through a lot but you know what it's really weird because like you, you talk about Kevin Hayes. I, I'll say this real quick about him is that the whole starter jacket thing, it's all Kevin Hayes idea. So that's, is that that's really, kind of, I, just, yeah, I didn't know that it's, it's Kevin Hayes idea. And I think it's pretty cool. How, like they've taken that I kind of idea and embraced that in the locker room, even though he's not really playing at the moment, but yep. hey, that's what it is. That, something like that. Traumatic like that. When it happens, those locker rooms are so tight. They're legitimately like families. So like, you know, every player feels that. So it just to me, it gives you that little more of an edge. I didn't need it before, but yeah, it just gives everybody a little more an edge with that. So that's 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 cool that they're still, you know, you know taking that idea that he had and, and, and making a whole thing out of it. That was yep. that's a really good thing to see. Too. It's going to be nice to see him back on the ice, but let him. So and hopefully that comes soon. Uh, the the preview of the week. I mean, we've been touching on it. I I this is after what I thought was a tough week in in pittsburgh and then going down to uh to dc a day after i mean this week is just as tough i mean you're against toronto i forget is that in toronto as well or is this is that at home i know Uh, that carolina is at at home carolina and dallas are on the road which really sucks by the way because you gotta hop on a plane and go to you go from carolina to back to back so yeah. this is a weird week uh, when it comes to their schedule. They have Toronto, then they're in Carolina, then they're in Dallas. Uh, this is the perfect setup for a slump week. It's a perfect week for they just get whopped and they don't come away with any points, especially because as much as Dallas has been average, and we talked about how they're struggling on the power play or they're on the special teams as a whole. I mean, Toronto's really good despite Peter Morazic getting hurt. Uh, Campbell is still a beast. I mean, he's putting up crazy numbers. 
and then obviously Carolina. Carolina is the most absurd team I've ever seen uh, start out. It seems like they're nine one Florida. Besides yeah, it's Florida. Their 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 goal differentials what plus seventeen plus nineteen in goal yeah. differential they're right behind Florida who's plus twenty two I mean it's ridiculous they're nine and one they're starting nine and one and their only loss came against Florida the other yeah. night they had and, a bad and Florida's first absurd yeah and they and, got and her goal and Antiranta got hurt so remember that too like yep. that actually could you know not the, good, the, one, the Flyers the one good thing is we know that the Flyers can step up to the task of a team like this because obviously they beat what they were then undefeated in Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton. Uh, and, and, and so it's not like this isn't a, it's a tough task, but it's not a insurmountable insurmountable task for the, for the flyers to, to do this. And I expect, I expect that Martin Jones would go on uh, Dallas. And I think we're going to see Carter these next, these first yeah, two games. I think here. you're going to, you're going to need Carter for those games. Look, yep. Toronto's kind of right in the ship a little bit. You know, they had their problems at the beginning of the season. You know, there was things about Keith and, you know, and, and, and Dubas being on the hot seat because Marner and our Matthews aren't improving. Well, now they've won five straight and they're not winning five straight easily. They've won them by some of them have been pretty convincing wins. So um, the only thing that's going to be key for them is to really keep an eye on that Peter Morazic injury. Now, listen, Jack Campbell, Soupy is their starter. So, um, you know, that he's going to, and he's really good. Jack Campbell's really turned around his career and played very, very well. Yeah. But he's going to get a lot of games here. And I think that could be a thing if Morazic is out for a while that could fatigue could set in because, listen, my Campbell has been playing very well. Campbell's never really had as far as like a longevity in, in this career and in his, in his career. I mean, um, I have to look at his numbers, but I don't think he's played like 50, 55 games as of yet in his career. And that, that says something. So, you know, he's, he's six and two with a nine thirty six and a one eight, eight, it's safer at a one, 1.88 goals against average. It, that's absurd. Um, so they're playing very well in front of him. Carolina's here's the thing about Carolina. Like they're off to a great start. They're nine and one. They have a plus 19 goal differential. I just, I don't know why. I just, I think the Flyers have an opportunity here where they can go in and do make a statement because two seasons ago, they ran over Carolina. It was pretty much got the same team now. Like, you know, they added, um, it's true. They yeah. added, uh, uh, that's his name. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, yes, Perry Kakanyemi from uh, Montreal. And their leading scorer is Andrei Svechnikov. He's got seven goals and seven assists. Sebastian Ajo is a sick player. He's got 11 points. Finch and Trocek's turning around a little bit after that trade from Florida a couple seasons ago. Um, and they've got Anthony D'Angelo, local guy here in South Jersey. He's, uh, you know, um, had 10 points so far on the season, two, eight, two goals and eight assists. So they're, they, they press, they press offensively. They have Freddie Anderson in goal. And I, I, Freddie Anderson just, he's either on or he's not. Yep. They have anti-Ronta out, which means Freddie Anderson is going to get some starts now. He's, he's playing very well. He's got a 939 and a 183, but it just, I just have a feeling that that's going to, that's going to don't forget too. I, I always like this guy and he contributes where he needs to co- contribute. Nino Niederreiter. I mean, I, yeah. I like his game. I think he's one of the best right wingers of what one of the best wingers on, 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 in the NHL when, yep. in, in what he does, he doesn't do a lot on the score sheet, but he contributes enough to make it a little bit noticeable. I think I saw he. I, th- I don't think he has any assists on the, on the year, but he has a couple of goals in seven games. So he's that guy yeah, that, when you, yeah. So when you need a goal, I think he's he's going to be that guy, and he can be become a problem really, really easily, especially if you're not paying attention because he's yeah. such a sneaky, sneaky good guy. I feel that uh, uh, the people underestimate him. Agreed. Let me 
What was the most famous goal that Nita Nita Rider ever scored? I don't know. If you go back online and watch any playoff overtime goal, his will probably be near the top. Mm. Game seven, 2014 against against the Colorado Avalanche in overtime. Barred uh, down over yeah. Barlamov. I'll never forget watching that live. That was like the most ridiculous shot I've ever seen in my life. It was absurd. Yeah. On the series for the wild. It was sick. As I was, they were down two nothing in that series anyway. Yeah. How do I know that off the top of my head? Don't know why. You're, I just you're don't. a sick, just, you're a sick yeah, man. I, 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 this, is, this is what happens. This is what happens when you're single throughout all your 20s and have no life. You just <laughs> memorize hockey stats. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I agree with you. Neither Nino I could be a big part of that. You know, they still have Jordan Stahl on that team. Jesper Foss, Jacob Slavin, Tibu Tarvai. I mean, they're a bunch of jerks. Uh, like, 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 that's really what they are. They're a yeah. bunch of jerks that pr- produce. Yeah. Uh, but the Flyers uh, mat- can match up against them. They, yeah. they they handled them very well two seasons ago. And again, there was generally the same team. So I think that that's something to look forward to there. Yeah. And then they have Dallas on Sunday on a back to back. That's a tough travel week for them. So it's a but, tough travel week. That's why it's kind of, it, it, I, imagine that they're going to ride martin on on in that dallas game especially because yeah. uh you you don't want to get again you, you're not giving him cupcake games because he just played extremely well against the washington capitals but in scenarios like this i feel like you have to almost lean on your guys like carter hart because as we said earlier he's the starter we know who the starter is on the philadelphia flyers team this year we know who the backup is so you want carter to get these games under his belt like he did and i think he i think he has a sour taste in his mouth after the overtime loss in pittsburgh i think he had he he it's just he has that knack for having an itch and being up because i think they should have won that game carter hart would probably say the same but you know i think yeah yeah they battled so. back, and, and I'd say this: it was a tough goal to give up. Like it's a wraparound play; he was there. It was just, it, it just, and it, it game of inches, man. It beat him by an inch. Like you can't. Yep. As soon as you saw the overhead, or whatever, his like people were saying the next day, like, how could you even tell? Like it was across the line. It, it was, was very clear. It was it very was, clear. It, once I, they I get some it. people were looking for the uh, for the inconclusive evidence. There was a shot that that uh, Comcast Sports, uh, NBC Sports Philly showed. And it was conclusive. Like yeah. it, anyone that was looking at that saw yeah. that puck across the it line. Just, it, it just went up the scoop of the goal pad. It literally yep. tucked in on the scoop of the goal. Now he kicked it out, but it literally like his the scoop of his where his leg his leg pad was just that far inside the net. When they zoomed in on it, you could see that white right in front of the line. Like yep. it's a hundred percent a goal. Hundred percent a goal. So and what's so, your prediction this week? They have three games. Obviously, as we said, Toronto here at home in Philly, which is nice. Before they go on the road for a back to back in Carolina and Texas. I mean. What I don't know what that schedule is, but whatever. Good thanks, NHL. Uh, yeah, they couldn't delay that a day. Like, why? Yeah. Why are you making that trip? But they have like four days off in between, especially because so. that's a what is that a Thursday, Friday, or a Friday, Saturday back to back? I think it's a Saturday, Sunday. Okay. From the thirteenth. No, it's Friday, Saturday. Oh, Friday, 12, Saturday. Fridays yeah. so, the twelfth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like you can't, you can't. They have they're the fourteenth, the fifteenth off. You can't play them on the fourteenth and then have a day off in between to come over the sixteenth against the Flames. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make yeah. sense. But condensed schedule. Condensed schedule. I guess that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So, yeah. They're Not taking like the away Texas some travel gotta, days. That's really yeah. what it comes. They took away travel days, and, and that's what got it comes down to. Problems with crowds and everything right now. Probably you know yeah. the less they're in that state, the better. Uh, so what's your prediction? I don't want anybody to panic. I would say two to three points this week. I just, it's, yeah. it, I'm not, it's not that I'm not confident. It's just these are really tough matchups. I think that Dallas should be a win. If you're not too 
worn out from Carolina Toronto, but they're going to give this team a run for its money. And the only thing that I'm saying that would have me concerned about the Flyers to speak is that their goal scoring has been down the past couple of games. So they're only, they're only scoring like two goals a game, like one, two goals a game. Sometimes, you know, three, they're not putting up as many points as they were about a week to a week or two ago. So that's what has me not nervous. I'm just saying for teams like Toronto and Carolina, that's what they do. They score. They score. They have they have good goaltending. So like they might get a lot of chances, but unless they're getting pucks past you know uh, Jack Campbell and 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 Freddie Anderson, um, they're gonna have a rough week playing fast hockey. They're just not built for this type of game. So yeah. I think Dallas would be the best chance for a win there. Um, I think they could probably muster a point between the two games. I'll say this: if they come out and they win four to six points. That really says a lot about this team. I just think the matchups this week, they're just not really in the fire's favor. They come out with two points this week, three points this week. You're you're fine. You're 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 bagging three out of six points. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Two out of six, I'll let it go because you're on a tough week. But you better make it up if you're gonna have to get two points this week. You got a three-game homestand coming up again. You got to sweep that one, especially with Tampa coming in your building next week. So I was going to say, and if, even with the, if you, I, I lean towards you got to get three. Yeah, if I'd you, say three points would be if fine. You can, it's acceptable. If you can steal one, especially because they're at home against Toronto and come away with four, you could sneak away with that three-game homestand. I mean, Boston's going to look for a little bit of revenge here. I mean, Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. I mean, they're they're just dominating, and Calgary's Calgary. And you're that's crazy. You're already getting rid of your Vancouver and your Calgary uh, season schedule with them. But I mean, Calgary's second in their division. They're no joke. Yeah, they're, they're no really joke. Good so hockey, right? They shut. They is, blew out the Rangers the other day, and the Rangers are playing very good hockey. So honestly, that tells stay, you something. And and honestly, just staying within this two weeks, like two to three points this week, is okay. Yeah. But then two to three points after that for the week after, uh, probably a week from today when we do our official preview, like this is this is the gauntlet right now for their early on in their season to figure out. This yeah. is kind of the measure, the litmus test of where, oh, where this team really is. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're not aware, I mean, obviously, like we said, Toronto, Carolina, Dallas, then you have two days off and you have that homestand with Calgary, Tampa Bay, and then Boston, and then it doesn't get any easier because then you go down to Florida for your the Sunshine State tour in Tampa Bay and in Florida and yeah. uh, against and then Florida, come back against the and then you play Carolina. So it's like <laughs> it's this a is a schedule, gauntlet man. of gauntlets, and the Devils who are not that bad. You a day later to close out October or excuse me November, one of your last games. I mean, this is this is the the next three weeks are the test of tests for yep. the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's really like we said. By December, Christmas time is when people are going to really start to notice this team. These next three weeks are going to measure up of when people start to turn heads and go, holy crap, what's going on over there? Yeah. Like what's going because everyone's excited about the one team in the, in the Wells Fargo Center and the 76ers because they're playing really well. The Flyers have an opportunity here to all of a sudden turn some heads and and, and you got to stick with us the entire time. I mean, yeah. th- there's no other podcast you should be listening to than That's the one you're listening to right now. Orange and Bingo. Shout out to John Barchard for that one. Like, definitely. There's no there's no 
you know, we're here too. The Flyers are here too, not just the Sixers, John Barcher. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. 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 I saw yeah. that light too, Vince <laughs> Quinn. All right. We're seeing you. We know, we know what's going on on the feeds. We see yeah. it. We see uh, it. <laughs> uh, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Orange Backcheck, episode 91, closing in on that illustrious 100 mark. I can't wait. Uh, we'll probably hit that around probably Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, right cannot around. wait. Thank you so much for listening. Again, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Orange and Backcheck Podcast, at Obackcheck on Twitter. Uh, if you are, again, if you're interested in the in a pickup hockey game with us, Scott and I, in the northeast of Philadelphia around Fox Chase Playground, if you're familiar, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Again, I said it last week, no experience required. If you just want to bring your rollerblades, your, your uh, roller derby blades that I have, similar to what I have, bring them we don't care it'll be awesome just bring a stick and we'll provide the pucks that that's all i can say orange and back check at gmail.com we'll talk to you guys next week did you did you really have to make popcorn like right now like we're literally about to start the podcast like you literally like had to make popcorn right i I can't hear it like that's just you